Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Untreated Media Podcast. This is episode 57, the big one. Josh and I's top 10 favorite horror slash Halloween movies. Uh, Josh, how are you doing tonight? I'm hanging, man. I'm chilling like a villain. Uh, just so that, you know, you know, and all our, our listeners know, like, I... I, I, I I'm so close to rescheduling because of the game tonight, but you know, game six I, I, of the World Series for those uninitiated. Well, and I'm you know it's it's I'm from Houston, man, and it's in Houston, so it's like if they can win it in Houston, man, like let's go, like they're I'm real sure they fight. will in Game Seven. Yeah, I know, but we'll see. You man. Watch. We'll see. I've jinxed us all. <laughs> watch us lose now and if we do i legit would have to never talk to you ever again so well um, if houston does lose you know who you can just blame like everyone else does benny off and wise <laughs> get the crap out of here <laughs> God, man. so benny off and wise um to those lucky lucky souls who don't know who these idiots are uh these guys were the showrunners for game of thrones for most of the show and were the ones that tanked season seven and eight. Um, but they were also the ones that were, uh, tapped by Disney to do the new trilogy, whatever it would be that takes, that will be released after rise of Skywalker wouldn't be set after rise of Skywalker. More than likely it was going to be old Republic. Um, they're now gone from this project, like completely, um, due to, "Quote unquote busy schedule with all the Netflix yeah. stuff that they're going to be doing." Well, that's a load of BS. We could just write that off right off the bat. Um, where where do we even start with this one, Josh? Um, I don't know. I uh, I think they're because it's so easy to to be like, "Yeah, we're just really busy." So sorry. Disney were too busy for you. Like, really? Get out of here. And like the the, the article I the articles I read I wrote read, because I actually, you know, actually went through our news this week. Um, wow. I know, right? I'm kind of trying to get more on top of things here. Um but they basically were like, man, you know, this was an opportunity of a lifetime, you know, talk with talk with George Lucas about Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. And and then they're like, but we're too busy for them. So yeah, and I was like, what? No, there's no way that you're gonna sit here. I mean, Nathan, if you got like the opportunity of a lifetime, right? To I don't know, write a movie with with Steven Spielberg or Brad Bird or something. Like actually learn from them how to how to do a movie. And but you had a like, a lot going on in your life. They're like, oh yeah, I'm, got- I'm busy at my other job. Making yeah, like, thirteen bucks an hour on the weekends. Yeah, no, like get out of here. Like if you're gonna sit here and be like, this is the opportunity of a lifetime, but I'm too busy for it. Like get out of here. No, they were definitely fired. Uh, I would not be surprised if Disney saw the reactions and kind of the ratings from the last two seasons of Game of Thrones and was like, uh, and maybe send up a, a few red flags. Well. I know immediately who I'm pointing the finger at, and it's not going to be surprising in the slightest. Say it all together, Kathleen freaking Kennedy. 
<laughs> Mrs. Kennedy. Hey, 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 hey. Don't you drag Mr. Kennedy into this. Okay, why am I pointing the finger at Mrs. Kennedy here? Because this has happened repeatedly on her watch that she continually either gets the wrong person for a project or doesn't like the direction it's going and fires them. Let's take a look at her track record uh, as head of Lucasfilm with Star Wars. Um, admittedly, this was probably the right move. Josh Trank was attached to a standalone Boba Fett movie and was about to be announced to, as directing that before D23, where he mysteriously got sick right around the time that he had those um, fits of anger uh, when Fan Forsick came out. She fired him. Uh, she fired Colin Trevorrow from directing episode nine uh, because of the failures of Book of Henry, may, or because maybe he clashed with them storytelling-wise. Um, she hired Gareth Edwards to direct Rogue One, which he did end up doing that movie, but we know Rogue One went through extensive late, late, late game reshoots, so clearly somebody was lost in translation. Um, you had the whole solo debacle with Lord and Miller getting fired like two weeks to go in filming uh, before Ron Howard stepped in. Kathleen Kennedy proves time and time again she is not good at leading Lucasfilm. Completely the opposite, in fact. She keeps hiring bad people that don't fit the project. Um, don't get me wrong. I love Lord and Miller's movies. I love both the Jump Street movies. I love, love, love with my whole heart. I love the first Lego movie. That being said, when they were brought on to Solo, I thought that was a horrible idea because their style of humor doesn't work with Han Solo. But yeah. Kathleen Kennedy keeps bringing in these people that don't fit and then fires them when they do exactly what we thought they would do. Yeah. Um, I... 2014 Godzilla had some character problems of, like, the human characters weren't interesting. Shocker, the human characters in Rogue One were terrible. Big shocker there. Um, then she brings in J.J. Abrams for Force Awakens. Great move. But then she brings in Ryan Johnson, who more or less has... I Let me preface this. I like Last Jedi. Has more or less torpedoed the franchise because of how lukewarm the reception was for Last Jedi and how much it absolutely just retcons everything in Force Awakens. Now they're more or less retconning things back to how it was supposed to be before Last Jedi. There's no form of cohesion or competency right now in Lucasfilm. Like, it's such an awkward position that they're in because on one side you've got Marvel, who, for all intents and purposes, is clicking on all cylinders. They are at the point now that almost all their movies average about a billion dollars. And are pretty well received. I know you and I have our minor issues with Marvel, uh, but by and large, they make good movies. Where Star Wars, yes, Star Wars fans can be annoying, but I think right now, it's like rooting for a bad sports team. Of you have every right to complain about management when they don't deliver a playoff team. And right now, you gotta look at the GM and wonder why are we having all these issues on the field? Yeah, which I, I think might be on the horizon with whatever it is Kevin Feige is is doing. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I he, think he's taken off Benioff and Weiss's movie. Yeah, I which I would totally be okay with. I think I also I think they knew that they were leaving a while back and that's why they brought in yeah. Feige to cover this. 
I, which I can totally tell, see that. But I think if that goes well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets kind of finagled into that Kathy, uh, that Kennedy role. But, you know, only time will tell. Yeah. Um, but it's so weird to think of we're getting Dis- a lot of great, potentially great Star Wars stuff on Disney+. Plus. I'm super excited for The Mandalorian, which... We won't be talking about it this week, but how dope was that trailer that just dropped for it? Um, Mandalorian yes. looks amazing. I think y'all know my feelings on the Obi-Wan series, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Clone Wars coming back. Star Wars on Disney Plus is in a great spot. After Rise of Skywalker, the future of Star Wars movies is so hazy. I have no idea where the franchise is going right now. Because yeah. I feel pretty confident saying the Ryan Johnson movies aren't happening. Now, the Benioff and Weiss movies probably aren't happening. It's just tough because, like, I mean, where do you go from here, man? Uh, a break for a while and a new head of Lucasfilm? Because... Yes, Kathleen Kennedy has done some great things, but by and large, Star Wars has really crumbled under her watch. It really has. So then, uh, wh- what would you suggest before we, you know, we move on to some, uh, our next topic? What would you suggest they do at this particular time? I think you have to write out Kathleen Kennedy's contract till twenty twenty one because that's when her contract's up, and then. But in the meantime. You pair her with people like a Kevin Feige or a Dave Filoni who know Star Wars and can help. Like Dave Filoni, before we had Kathleen Kennedy, was more or less the one in charge of the Star Wars expanded universe with overseeing Rebels and Clone Wars and some of the other uh, expanded stuff and did a great job of holding cohesion. I know Rebels isn't for everyone, but it tied into the universe well and by and large it... uh, accomplish what it set out to do of having a relatively kid-friendly but still deep show uh he's just a yeah. good storyteller that understands star wars i genuinely think that kathleen kennedy just doesn't understand star wars sometimes i can see that or, i can definitely see um rise of skywalker happening right whatever happens happens um and i wouldn't be surprised if they decide to chill on disney plus for a couple years I think and the just problem low for for a little bit. I think the problem, and I've narrowed it down. The problem with Kathleen Kennedy is all the people that she hires are like good uh, headline grabbing gets, but are never like ones that are really going to pan out. Like, hey, look, we got Colin Trevorrow who re- successfully rebooted Jurassic Park with Jurassic World, or we got Ryan Johnson who did Looper, looks great on paper, or. Look, we got the guys that did the Lego movie. Isn't that awesome? Um, but then it doesn't really take into account, are these the right people for this? Yeah, absolutely. Like, they want the attention, but, but then they actually have to realize that they have to deliver on it. Yeah, which I don't think that even the directors, they and by no fault of their own, the directors that they're getting can't necessarily take things into into this you know Star Wars direction. Yeah, like people are complaining, it's just Star Wars fatigue. People are burnt out. 
No, that is not a viable excuse when we have three Star when we have three Marvel movies coming out every year and people complain about one Star Wars movie coming out. It's not that. It's quality. That's what we need to fix here. Absolutely. It's not Speaking quantity, quality, it's quality. And really quantity as well. Uh, we've gotten basically a, an official unofficial breakdown of HBO Max. Yeah, thanks for that, HBO. We were just about to get ready to start getting everything ready for the show, and then, holy crap, did they just news dump us. Like, we had our notes ready and everything, and then HBO's just like, hey, guys, good thing you haven't hit record yet, right? (laughs) And I swear, if we didn't already have our discussion topic, and we weren't already proud that we were actually able to narrow down our list of ten movies, we would have talked about this for our main discussion, because, holy crap, news dump. Um, but yeah, HBO Max, uh, in a shareholders conference, I think is where we're getting all this news from, just like backed the dump truck up to the front door and was like, here's all the information that you need to know about HBO Max, uh, which is more or less like HBO slash Warner Brothers, uh, answer to Disney Plus slash (laughs) Apple TV, which is not going to be a major player, um, and Netflix, and I'm perfectly honest. One, it's going to kill Apple TV because Apple TV is not competition. Um, I don't know if it'll beat Disney Plus because I don't think it's going for the same audience. That yeah. being said, this is something I'm going to need to get. And I think a lot of people are going to get. Um, so here's some of the information that we got. It is officially going to be coming May 2020 in the U.S., and it's going to be $14.99 a month. So more or less the price of HBO now uh, is what you're going to be paying for HBO Max. So if you have HBO now, it, that's just going to be lumped into HBO Max. Um, and we're getting a whole bunch of stuff. They've said at launch they're hoping to have 1,800 movies at launch, which will include all the DC movies, Lord of the Rings, Matrix, um, any of the big Warner Brothers stuff. It'll also include the they got the rights to South Park, Rick and Morty, The Big Bang Theory, West Wing, Friends. Um, so they're really aiming for quality as well as um, quantity. But then they also announced some new stuff that they've got coming, um, particularly in the world of DC. Um, so I'll go with the less exciting one first. Um, Superhero High apparently is happening, which is going to be a half an hour comedy show which features different superheroes in their high school days before they get to the stage of the heroes that they will become one day. I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit here. Um, and my thoughts on it may surprise you. Um, but the real headlines that I'm seeing everywhere right now is that Greg Berlanti, the guy that more or less created the whole Arrowverse on CW, is developing a live-action Green Lantern series for HBO Max. Whew, this is a lot of news to break down. Where are we starting, Josh? Um, let's go ahead and start with uh, Green Lantern since we're here. Because um, I have thoughts. Same. Like, that's the guy you're going to get for Green Lantern? Like, that's that's the guy that to direct this series. I will cut him some slack since people are just like, but Arrow and Flash are only good for two seasons. So it's like, true, 
But also, people to forget that he's also one of the showrunners for Titans, which is one of the best shows on DC Universe. Uh, yeah, but Arrow, like, just to, I guess, well, but Arrow and Flash are on CW, so, like, I'll give it that. Yeah, I think uh, this will have more of an adult edge, like Titans, that it's not, the thing is yeah, with CW, it, it's specifically targeted to tweens. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I can see that. I, I just, because I, my biggest complaint was with, with uh, specifically Arrow, was it felt like they completely missed the mark of of <laughs> Yeah, I know. Like they didn't hit the target. I'm gonna keep these going. Um, <laughs> they didn't. That one wasn't the as good. Ah, uh, yeah, because it felt forced. Um, but with with Ollie, it because they made him this dark, serious, like brooding billionaire that was supposed to be like Batman, but it wasn't. So like, yeah, I don't know. See, that's not and my then, issue. Like, my issue with all literally all the CW shows is it starts off great. Of the main hero and a small core of people helping him out, but then by the time you get to like season four or five, it's that hero is a side character in their own show because their entourage is so massive and it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Like Arrow, you've yeah. got Oliver, Felicity, Diggle, Laurel, um, Speedy. All these side characters that really have nothing to do with the show. Of just like. Sorry, when I read Green Arrow comics, yes, he's got sidekicks, but it's mainly just Green Arrow or Flash. Flash does not need help. He doesn't need Caitlin or Cisco or um, Harrison Wells. Although I like those characters, the show gets so bogged down in way too many supporting crew members. Yeah. It comes less about how, about the Flash and more about the world that Flash lives in. Like, there's that often memed... Uh, and rightly so, seen from one of the most recent seasons of Flash where um, it has Iris just like, you're not the Flash. Wear the Flash. I'm like, shut up. Yeah, like, go go away. No one likes you, yeah. Iris. But I, I get your concern. And, yeah. I think this more or less kind of puts a stake in a Green Lantern movie happening anytime soon. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I, I can... S- I just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, I'm kind of, I'm trying really hard to reserve any judgment. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, though. It Superhero High, on the flip side, on paper, sounds like a show that I should be shouting at clouds of how stupid and idiotic an idea that is. My first thought when I read that was, oh, there's a route that you can take that makes me interested. If this show is a superhero version of Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. Ooh. Or even, like, Sky High. Of, I would be really entertained if uh, the main character that we focus on is, like, the only non-superpowered super in the whole show. So... Yes. And it's just a human that just gets mistaken for a hero. And so you'll have, like, Aquaman leading the swim team, Batman leading the chess team, um, and then just have an awkward guy that has no powers, that, like, his name or something got mixed up in the registration, and he's just like, I should be at another school. And he sees the school through a certain perspective. I think that could lend itself to a lot of great comedy. I would agree. So, I mean, we'll... 
we shall see. Um, it'll be interesting if they do like, hey, this is a, a, a high school for superheroes, and they kind of make it like a Looney Tunes kind of thing, where like, oh. it, 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 where it just it kind of exists outside of the realm of everything that's happening. But I don't. I'm know. I'm so glad you said Looney Tunes. Oh. Um, one thing that I forgot to jot down in the notes, but I did read in an article, um, with HBO Max, we will be getting a new kids, uh, animated Looney Tunes series. Oh, yay. Which we, honestly, we haven't actually had new Looney Tunes in forever. That is fair. That's because violence is not the answer. Anyway. Well, on the flip side of violence, you've got Sesame Street, which will have its entire run on HBO Max. Oh, dude. That's killer, though. That's awesome. <laughs> that's the thing that Josh gets most excited for. You don't understand. Like, that's so cool. Like, Mr. Noodle. Now, well, like, just think about it, though. Like, now you can have, you guys have, uh, your parents have access to this now. Of you, That's what I think the big, that, that why, like, things like this, like HBO Max, like Disney Plus are going to be so big is because now... Like parents can control a little bit more what their kid watches. Now you can, like, if you want your kid to watch the stuff that you watched when you were younger, that could totally be a feasible reality. Here, now kid, you we're going to introduce like, you to Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. Good luck. But yes, but but you see my point at least of like, Here's hey, witches. Like, Good luck. It, just being able to. You know, maybe if parents now will be, and to be to you know their credit, there's a lot of stuff back you know that we watched as kids that was so much better than it is now for different reasons. But it, it just having access to this kind of this kind of content, it has never happened before, and that's awesome. It's super exciting. Yeah, uh, where do we think this will? leave the future of DC universe. I I do think uh because I, I I think DC Universe as far as its uh visual content as you know movies and TV shows, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it got transferred to this. Um I'm hoping with DC- an HBO Max membership you get DC Universe included. That that's my kind of my wish. I, I agree. Um, um, even I if it's not, she, I think I would keep DC Universe just for my comics alone. Yeah, that was going to be my next point. Was if anything, they just take take off the visual media and leave the comics on DC Universe. Yeah, I would not be surprised in the slightest if they do that. Thankfully, because I mean, that's what they had DC Universe before. Uh, it was just the, a place to read the comics. Yes, thankfully, uh, sticking on the comic train, we've got more DC related news to talk about, and this is. Straight from the horse's mouth, Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman 1984. Um, we finally are starting to slowly but surely get some details about the movie itself. Uh, we will be getting a first official trailer December 8th at Brazil Comic Con. But ahead of that, she's officially announced some details that have been kind of fan speculation for a little bit. That um, Pedro Pascal, who we know he will be in the movie, he was cast a long time ago will be playing the character of Maxwell Lord. Um, mm. Not going to lie, I was vaguely familiar with the character, so I had to look him up. Um, but this guy is more or less a combination of... Josh had a really good analogy. Um, 
he's more or less Kilgrave from Jessica Jones meets Lex Luthor of a telepath with a lot of money. Yeah. Like in the comics, his his big thing that I read about anyway um, was he get he eventually gets powerful enough in his telepathy um, to control Superman, and Wonder Woman has to kill him to. Let's be real though; it's not hard to control Superman. I mean, we we're right. I, I understand, but his his like for a long the the big key here is. He is telepathic, but it's labeled uh, tele. It's like uh, what is what is, what was it called? Telepathic suggest like suggestive or something like that. Yeah, like, it's not like... super. He's not like when we say telepathy. He's he's not. You know, he's Professor not Professor X. X. He, is, he he is more like Kilgrave in that sense of he can just kind of manipulate the way that your brain is thinking. Yeah. Um, which Pedro Pascal, it's just nice to see his star rising. Yes, he really broke onto the scene with Game of Thrones, but now he's going to be in The Mandalorian next week. No, two weeks from now. Super excited for The Mandalorian. I'm really excited to see him in Wonder Woman. Uh, with this trailer, I'm really curious more than anything to see Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. That will be, honestly, that's the one thing I'm, I'm, I won't see, I say I'm nervous about. I'm just intrigued yeah we haven't seen like any like leaked photos or anything like Wonder Woman's uh, production by and large has been really hush hush which you'd like never see nowadays especially for DC um but that might be on purpose uh not necessarily like trying to hide the bad or anything like that but they maybe because I mean when uh to use an example when they were making the new God of War game, they kept it super under wraps because they knew they had something incredible on their hands. And to that, and that re- that the big reveal was even that much sweeter. So we'll we'll see. Um, to my knowledge, this will be like Kristen Wiig's first. I, I'm going to bite myself because I I feel like this isn't, but I feel like this is her first quote unquote serious role. Uh, no, she's done a couple I'm, indie movies that are more serious. Okay, but like so, this will this will be this will be completely opposite of what we're used to in mainstream uh, mainstream media. So this will also be the first time we actually see Maxwell Lord on screen. However, we got very very close, and because I like to please Josh, we're going to play Six Degrees of Separation with How to Train Your Dragon and Maxwell Lord. <laughs> So, okay. follow the train of thought. Maxwell Lord was almost in Justice League, but not the one that you're thinking of. In 2006, um, a Justice League movie was in development by director George Miller, who did the Mad Max movies uh, and did Mad Max Fury Road. Um, yeah, that yeah, was the yeah, one that was going to have Army Hammer as the Batman. Um it's going to be a completely different cast and was going to have Maxwell Lord as the main villain in a storyline very similar to the Tower of Babel slash Justice League Doom of Maxwell Lord hacks into Batman's system, um, figures out all the Justice League's weaknesses and uses them against them and they have to defeat him. Um, and now here's where How to Train a Dragon comes in. Maxwell Lord would have been played by Jay Baruchel in that movie who voiced Hiccup. Wow, that would have been super weird, but uh-huh. like a good weird. 
And again, directed by the guy who did Babe. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. The more you know. Noise, half the bo- battle. So there's a very interesting theory going around that I'm starting to subscribe to is, Josh, do you remember the very first official picture that we got for Wonder Woman 1984? Um, not really. I think it was the poster, wasn't it? No, not the poster. Uh, it was of Wonder Woman standing in front of a whole bunch of like TV monitors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first official picture. So some people are speculating that the storyline, and I'm kind of in the same camp, is that um, Maxwell Lord is trying to create the ultimate surveillance system of like keeping an eye on the world at all times, and he would call it Brother Eye. Oh, that's genius. It makes me think of if Wonder Woman is Captain America, her first one was the first Avenger, now, this one is the Winter Soldier, which also dealt very heavily with surveillance and freedom of, um, do you actually have freedom? Yeah. But mm. I think Brother I would be a great step, and that would also explain in that first shot why she's surrounded by all these television screens. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. But yeah, for those that don't know the comics, Brother I is more or less a supercomputer that monitors the world. Yeah, and don't uh, think Savage ends and uh, ends up using it. Yeah, something along those lines. But hey, well, you know, let's talk from go from something that we're pretty, you know, for the most part excited about to something that I could absolutely care less about. I'm so on the fence that I like a strong gust of wind in either direction is going to knock me off this fence that I'm on. Um. So what Josh is referring to is the CW, the Arrowverse people, are developing a Superman and Lois series with the Tyler Hecklin version of Superman that's been on Supergirl a couple times. Um, so, I have thoughts. <laughs> Josh, where do you think my thoughts are on this? Just, Just why? Just why? I mean, okay, never mind. I know why. Money. But, like, what story What story are you hoping to tell here? I see this as maybe good, but mostly bad, but not for the reasons you think. Um, I have not seen a lot of it. I've seen some small clips here and there on YouTube. From what I've seen, Tyler Hecklin has, seems to be a pretty decent Superman. If anything, he just seems a little small. But he's gotten pretty good acclaim as his Superman. Uh, the main issue is he's often jobbed out on Supergirl. Of just like, Supergirl is more powerful than Superman, which is a total lie. Um, I don't think that would be a problem if he himself is the main character of a show. Um, so, I'm always up for more representations of Superman. I think nowadays, he's actually underutilized in a lot of live-action formats because for some reason, Warner Brothers is scared of the character and doesn't portray him the right way. Um, so I'm initially, I don't think this is the worst idea considering how well-received his character seems to be. And now that we actually live in a day and age that we can do the effects that would be required for a Superman show... That being said, this makes me sad 
because this kind of seems like the final nail in the coffin that Warner Brothers has no plans for a Superman movie. Uh, I don't know. I because I, I don't know about that last part, but I definitely I think so me, because like, a lot of like almost none of the Bat family was allowed to show up in any of the CW stuff because they're more important. We need to save them for the movies. Uh, even in Batgirl, Batwoman, they like don't really mention a lot of the rest of the Bat family. So the main, the quote unquote main players get reserved for the movies. But I suppose the counter argument is we had Flash in TV show and then in Justice League, and that movie still isn't here. But this this to yeah. me feels like well, we don't really have plans for him for a movie. So uh, let's give him a show. That'll work. Yeah. Uh... I don't know, man. I just, I, I see this as more CW schlock. And to I have not been, you know, quiet or anything about how much I dislike the CW Arrowverse. Um, like, yes, it's cool. And yeah, we're getting to see characters on there that I don't think, we'll, you know, we would normally see. But... because no one was asking for them. No one cares about the elongated man. Exactly. And to use King Shark in a throwaway episode, like, really? Screw you. And Um, CW clearly did not have the budget for King Shark. Exactly. And, like, kind of, um, kind of half butting the, you know, the death storyline and Godspeed and, like, like, it's just, oh, man. I don't know, dude. I think they need the Superman show to keep them going because. Um, their other ones are ending. Like we know, Arrow's ending. It and it, if it's not dead already, Legends of Tomorrow is soon to follow. I would not yeah. be surprised if in the next uh, two or three years, Flash ends as well. Yeah, Batgirl is no again not Batgirl. Batwoman is not taking off nearly as well as they were hoping. It's because nobody's watching. Oh, sorry, uh, nobody's watching CW anymore like it's true i'll it's be watching the crisis on infinite earth special but as well, yeah but it's it's over dramatized superheroes and we don't it's already dramatic already we don't need the extra stuff dude yeah i maybe it's just the old school nature in me i want more superman i feel like superman's vastly underutilized nowadays just because he He's perceived as too goody two shoes. I want more Superman, so I, I will at least give this show a shot. Um, but it does make me nervous about the future of Superman in movies. I'm hearing a lot of interesting and conflicting rumors about his future in the DCEU, but that's a discussion for another day. Um, yeah. To take it to a more upbeat topic, Obi Wan. Yeah. So, uh, Hugh McGregor has now been allowed to talk about Obi-Wan, and apparently he's held this bottle up inside him for quite a while as he's known about this project for years. You liar. We knew it was in development, and you told us repeatedly, oh, it's not happening, I don't know. It'd be nice to come back, but I don't know. You knew. Um, (laughs) Which... 
also, he kind of confirmed some things that we already kind of assumed, but we never got confirmation for. Of He came out and said that, um, yeah, it's really cool that this is getting turned into a show because that wasn't what we initially envisioned this to be. It was a movie, which all of us are just going, I knew it. It is Solo's fault, isn't it? Um, uh, but at the I think same time, a Obi-Wan movie was absolutely planned and then um, Rogue One happened and Solo happened and Disney's going, Solo, clearly people aren't interested in standalones. N- no, that's not the lesson. We just weren't interested in Solo. Can you keep making these standalones, please? No, you didn't like them. Uh, uh, fine. <laughs> um, we tried to give you something good and you didn't like it, but it wasn't good. It doesn't matter. Um, eat the, it's like the so- scene in Matilda. Eat the cake. <laughs> um, um, but so he's so just like basically what they're doing then is they're instead of a movie they're giving us six one hour long episodes so it's like a mini series but not so it also seems like it's a limited series like it's not going to be picked up for multiple seasons which i'm actually really okay with that because it's going to have a clear Same. start and end goal yes i also that to me uh that's exciting because that feels like they're going an hour long episodes means they're going to be able to tell a good story and only make it six episodes long. Oh, oh, oh count me in, man. That to oh, me, yeah. that tells me that tells me we we've got more content here than they were, than we were anticipated anticipating. And we want to spend more time with it. Yeah. Um, and his stock has risen significantly since he first showed up in the movie. I would absolutely love Joel Edgerton to come back as Owen Lars in some capacity. Yes. Because we know he and Obi-Wan don't necessarily get along too well. I would like to see why. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Because if I remember correctly in episode four, he calls him a crazy old hermit. So He does. Why don't um, they get along? And- I. Joel Edgerton is just one of my favorite actors, so I want him to come back. He is. He's and, one and of the things that logically exactly makes sense include, to come back. Yeah, and it, they don't exactly include the conversation that Obi-Wan has with them when he brings Luke there. Like, <laughs> Which I forget who we, said, I maybe it was belated media, but he's just like, it's so weird that Anakin gets dropped off at Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's. Like, literally, let's break this down of Anakin shows up to their house in episode two that they've never met before. And he's just like, where's my mom? She got taken by sand people. After one day with these people, he leaves them, brings back a dead body, leaves them again. Three years later, his friend comes with his kid and says, here, you need to look after him for the next 20 or so years. If I'm Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru, I'm going, wait, what? Yeah, like there's no reason. Like, if you really stop and step back and go, yeah, that was a weird situation here. It was. So I would love to hear that conversation, and I wouldn't be surprised if the show starts there. Also, um, with Joel Edgerton, you know who else? There's an outside chance that they could come back because Disney's got a big enough paycheck. You know who I want to see come back? Liam Neeson. Thank you. Thank you. You knew where I was going. Well, because at the end of episode three, he's like, Yoda's like, Yoda's like, yep, talk to Qui-Gon. And and Obi-Wan's like, no way, bro. And Yoda's like, bro, you totally can, bro. You literally just message. Yep, basically. But yeah, if you can bring back ghost Liam Neeson, I'm there in a heartbeat. Oh, dude, I'm so there. 
especially if they do it to where like li- like Liam Neeson kind of follows him around. <laughs> it's like, like the talks Always to Robot him. Chicken sketch where Ghost Jar Jar follows Darth Vader around. Exactly, and like Obi Wan's the only one that can hear him. <laughs> yeah. I'm, oh man, I'm just excited for this Obi Wan series. Um, now we have an exact number of episodes. How long it's going to be? It just needs to get here already. I'm just I'm beyond hype for this. Um, I agree. I I think the one thing too, I that the six six one hour long episodes thing feels like to me is that feels like two seasons of Sherlock. Yeah, that's basically the exact run length. Uh, no, Sherlock's exactly. an hour and a half. Yeah, but, but you get my point of like, the, it again, it feels like they were like, okay, cool. So a movie's not happening. That's okay. Let's turn this into a positive and take our time with our content then. Yeah, which is totally fine with me. Uh, so yep. for our last news story of the day, we have an interesting one, but I can kind of see the logic behind it. So... Uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise apparently is getting a reboot from the guy that did the HBO Chernobyl. Um, I, as someone that goes to the parks a lot, it's been very evident over the past year or two that Disney is trying to distance themselves from this current incarnation of Pirates of the Caribbean. And I think a big part of the reason why is the recent Johnny Depp kerfuffle of the he said he said she said with Amber Heard and just the whole drama surrounding him I get why Disney as a company wants to distance themselves like uh, they remodeled the ride like maybe a decade or so to include the Pirates of the Caribbean people and they're slowly but surely kind of reverting back to the ride it was before Um, I know I have not seen it but I know Chernobyl got really rave reviews as a show Josh, do you think it's pointless to reboot it too soon? What What are you thinking about a Pirates of the Caribbean reboot? I I don't think Pirates Earth are in right now. As weird as it would be to say that, uh, I don't think that there's a lot of demand for like pirate stuff. I guess you know you know what I mean. Like I just when I think of things that people would really want to see these days, I just don't think a pirates of the Caribbean show is, is it. Yeah. And people will be like, you can't have pirates of the Caribbean without Johnny Depp. I'm just like, you probably could, but you're right. I don't see kids clamoring to be wanting to be pirates. They all want to be Iron Man or Captain America or Ray. Uh, I don't see a lot of kids dressed up as Pirates. That being said, I mean, if you do it well, a Pirates movie could really, really work, but that first one was something really, really special. I actually even like the fourth one. I really didn't mind the fourth one. Yeah, I um, agree. I think it's too soon for a reboot, honestly. I mean, because did, they did, they just did another Pirates of the Caribbean movie, like, what was it, three three years ago? Something like I don't that? even think it was that long, but yeah, it's, it's not that long yeah. ago that it ended. It just seems very quick to Reboot yeah. it. I, and I, I get agree. The reason um, why, like, wanting to distance themselves, but it just seems like a very rapid turnaround. Yeah, no, I agree. This is I, back, uh, this. It, you gotta think this is also back in the day uh, when Disney thought they could turn anything, any ride into a movie, and it didn't pan out too well. Of uh, pirates, haunted mansion, country bears, country bears, which I. 
Country Bears is still pretty enjoyable, but Pirates was the only one that actually went anywhere. Um, but that's just, it's not a trend that they do anymore. Disney doesn't, well, that's not true. They're making Jungle Cruise, so. But like, but that's my point, though, is, I mean, why would anybody want to see Pirates when you can see superheroes and, you know, like Star Wars and, you know, stuff like that? Like, that doesn't seem even in the same realm, like, of something that somebody would want. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, well, that'll about do it for news. Josh, you got a sponsor for us this week? Uh, my sponsor this week is DoorDash. When you're too lazy to leave your apartment, you know, just DoorDash it. <laughs> Sounds about right. All right, so this week... It's the end of the Halloween season. This is our final episode of the year in the horror slash Halloween genre. So we thought we'd go out with a bang and cover our top 10 favorite horror slash Halloween related movies. Um, And I'll tell you, it was hard to narrow down this list. Oh, dude, it really was. I think I I don't know how many you got to. I just I started with just naming all of my favorites, and I yep. had to stop at 30. Yeah, I was just like, okay, look at the shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, mm, like it, don't love it. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then just, like, try and whittle down the list from there. So before we get into our top 10, rest in peace, the movies that didn't quite make the cut are honorable mentions. Um, I wa- If I'm being honest with myself... A lot of the Halloween movies would be on my list, so I'm just going to kind of lump together the ones that just barely missed the cut because I didn't want my list to be completely overshadowed by Halloween movies. Uh, Halloween 2, 4, and H2O. I really enjoy all of those. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, I can name a few of mine that I I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Um, on the runner-ups list, at least, like places like uh, things like A Quiet Place it is not. It's great, but it's not on my top ten. Uh, Split, um, As Above, So Below, uh, Seven, uh, The Crazies is was was is one of my favorites. But that's one of the best remakes, not, honestly. It's one of them, yeah. Which um, um, another one of my honorable mentions is another great remake, The Evil Dead remake. Oh, yeah, especially with that knee scene. I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, But, like, even stuff like The Conjuring 1 and 2, because they're both fantastic. Eh, The the, first uh, one is. Yeah, okay, yeah, well. Uh, And the second one, uh, (laughs) the magic number two for both Annabelle and Ouija. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and then like stuff like the ring saw, uh, like, you know, get out is fantastic. Don't breathe. Um, there's, uh, the strength, the strange strangers. The second incarnation is, is episode is pretty good. You know, I have a soft spot for mama. Um, I don't know why, but because <laughs> it's the same guy that did it. Also true. Uh, did you ever see, um, the fright night remake? I did not with Colin Farrell. Yeah, I did you, not. Uh, and uh, ah, geez, what's his name? It's the uh, the, the 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 kid who play, was on Star Trek. Odd oh Thomas, yeah, Anton Yelchin. Yeah, he's he's the main guy in it, and it's it. Uh, David Tennant makes an appearance too. 
it's it's a pretty good film. It, I enjoyed it a lot. But like Oculus and, and uh, even stuff like Babadook and Hush. And, uh, I do have Jason Babadook Hatt. as one of my honorable mentions as well. Yeah. The, Babadook was one of the first movies for me that I re- really, really realized that horror didn't have to be like, you know, Jump monsters scare. and stuff. Like it could, it was, it could tell us like an actual story that was not being told on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so then my other honorable mentions, uh, Jeepers Creepers. Oh, the first yeah. one. And the Purge yeah, we'll, Anarchy. We'll I still argue that the second Purge movie is actually the best one. The Purge series in general is a pretty good series. But yeah, I, I would agree. The second one is definitely one of the be- better ones. And no, um, it's not just because I'm a sucker for some Frank Grillo. But that definitely <laughs> helps. Yeah, it definitely helps. Um, I don't know if it's on your list, but it was definitely on one of my runner-ups would be One Hour Photo. Oh, I forgot about that one. But yes, yeah. that's definitely in my honorable mentions. I love One Hour Photo. Uh, one Hour, for those who don't know, and uh, you're wanting to have possibly one of the most uncomfortable nights of your life, uh, one Especially hour photo stars Robin Williams, man, like, and he is not funny at all, and it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, basically, oh, it's it's one of his most unnerving performances in the best possible way. Um, you got oh, any absolutely. more honorable mentions before you actually kick off this list proper? Um, did have did you ever see? It was on Netflix for for a bit. It's called The Ritual. Um. I have not seen the movie proper, but I've seen the found flicks video for it. Oh. So more or less I have. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. I, I really, I enjoy it. It's it just mainly cause it's, it's a little different than everything else. Um, huh. I have alien on my runner ups as well. The first hmm. one, obviously mm-hmm. it's the only one that's technically a horror film. Now I will put a disclaimer. Two of the movies on my list are, like horror comedies, but they still fall in the category of horror. Yeah, that's and that was that. Whenever I was coming up with my top ten, it was okay. What are the what are the things that I feel like if I was in the mood for horror, what could I pop in and just instantly be locked? Yeah, same. And all ten of mine, I'm I lock in. Um, so you want to just jump into it? Go for it. Let's. I mean, we can go. You know, go from uh, top number ten and work our way down. Yep, that's what I'm doing. Uh, my Rock number on. ten is the oldest movie on either one of our lists. I guarantee you that now. It is a movie that I only just recently watched, uh, maybe about a month or two ago. But I was captivated from the very beginning. It held my attention the whole time, and I really, really enjoy it. And to me, it is the best of the Universal monster movies. The Invisible oh. Man. Ooh. And yeah, that's, getting a, uh, that's getting a reboot here soon, so that should be interesting. Yes. It's one of my most anticipated movies in next year besides Halloween Kills. Um, the Invisible Man, yes, it makes me sound like a hipster, but I like the old school stuff. This one is one that the effects that they use for The Invisible Man amazingly hold up incredibly well to the point that I'm just like, Wow, how how did they do that actually? Um, effects are great. Claude Rains was amazing as the Invisible Man himself, considering most of it it's just his movements and his vocal delivery. 
is just great. His cackle when he laughs is great. I want a Joker laugh modeled after the Claude Rains laugh because his laugh was great. It's a good performance. Uh, the side characters are really engaging and actually pretty funny. Um, it's one of the earliest examples of kind of a horror comedy. Not an out-and-out comedy, but there's certain comedic characters in the background. Um, I've had up-and-down relationship with some of the Universal Monsters. I thought Dracula was kind of slow. I enjoyed Frankenstein, but for my money, the best one that I've seen so far is The Invisible Man, and I really enjoyed it, and I'm really excited to see a modern update um, with Jack from Haunting of Hill House as the oh, main absolutely. dude. I'm Oh, I'm so excited. That would be fantastic. It is him. Um, so... Yeah, no, 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 I know. That's what I'm, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm excited about it, yeah. Uh, so something that I think I, I've just kind of realized about the movies that I that are on my list, um, a big thing that for me on, on films that locks me in is atmosphere and, you know, the world that, that it creates. And for me, and you're going to, I guarantee you're going to laugh at me for this number 10, but... A movie that if I will not only seek out, but if it's on, I'm watching, uh, is uh, Lights Out. Oh, good pick. Good pick. David F. Sandberg yeah. is, uh, I, I love me some David F. Sandberg, especially knowing his roots. Yeah, I just like, there's something about this film, especially that opening scene, that just the camera tricks, the the feeling of unease, of instantly being uncomfortable by Anything that, that is just just shadow, um, it just locks me in. And I I did a really for I didn't do it on purpose, but I didn't see a single trailer for this movie um, until I got dragged to the to the to the um, the theater the night I saw it. Like my girlfriend at the time was like, "Hey, we're it's Tuesday, it's five dollar movie day, we're going." I was like, "Okay, cool. What are we seeing? Lights out. All right, cool. Whatever. I don't know what this is, but we're gonna watch it." So like, instantly locked in. Let's go. All the jump scares got me, and it was great. I think for me personally, um, I was just like kind of gliding along with lights out. I was just like, "It's a David F. Sandberg movie. I like him. Shazam's great. Um, I like his movies." I wasn't I wasn't like super scared until there's a scene where the kid um, is sitting in the doorway talking to his mom and all of a sudden these fingers and hand peek out from the top of the mom's door frame. Yes. And I I genuinely think that I screamed when I was watching with Heather. It's like nope, 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 nope. Because it's like a it's not your typical type of scare because it's just yeah. something static. And something slowly enters it as opposed to loud and abrasively screaming at you. It was something subtle that was like, oh, no, 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 no. You close that door. Yeah. Well, and like this, the realization of, of how attached it, uh, it was to the mom, too, was really, really got me. Like, oh, man. Like, there's only one way this is going to end, and it's not going to be fun. Yeah. The, I think my issue kind of with the movie is towards the end with the, I thought it was kind of an odd ending for what they do to get rid of the monster. And I think that that's something that kind of prevents it from being higher up on my list, but I do enjoy lights out as well. It's not on my top 10, but I do very much enjoy lights out. I have yet to see a bad David F. Sandberg movie. 
Um, if you feel like you can't stomach the whole movie, make sure to check out the um, short film that it's based off of on YouTube, actually, directed yeah. by the same guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's always good. Would Look you, up uh, stuff about David S. Sandberg. He's got a really cool story. Yeah, that, that was the thing I think that locked me into was it, it was an intriguing story. It didn't feel over the top or anything like that. It was it definitely drew me in. Nice. Uh, well, what's your number nine next? Uh, my number nine is uh, the first Strangers movie. Because, jeez, mm. it is easily one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen. I am man enough but to admit, not like- I own The Strangers, but it is the only movie that I cannot watch by myself with the lights off. Oh, dude. And if, if you are home alone, not- do not watch The Strangers. Yeah. Just because, like, the, it, it does it in the movie, like, where when the, they're, you know, the, the main characters are screaming and whatnot, and bad stuff is happening. They're like, why are you doing this? And they, because they're just, you were home. Yeah, like, oh, no way. Yeah, like, you Jeez, notice every just... sound in your house from that point on. Oh, dude, yeah. And, I mean, I give, do give credit to the second one. The second one does a decent job of it as well. But they you, they couldn't quite recreate the magic that was this film. It's just because it, it only happens in one house. It's that but, like, slow it, it was, cinematography too. Like oh, I know it was in the trailers and all the marketing, but that terrifying shot of Liv Tyler walking from the kitchen to the living room, and in the background, you just see the dude slowly enter the frame with no music or anything. Yes. Well, and that was the thing too with this film is. There's not – I was going to say there's not a lot of jump scares, but now I'm thinking about it. But still, the really the what builds the tension in, in the movie is you see these people far before the main characters do. Yeah. It, it also just makes me paranoid, making me feel like people are watching me from every – that point on. I'm just like, are there people watching me that yeah. I will never notice? Yeah, exactly. Like, geez, man, what are other things that I don't know? Like, it really makes you think. Mm-hmm. And like, I think one of my favorite things about the film, and it's it, this will come up later again, is that the bad guys win. Like, yes. there's nothing we can do about it because these guys, and you know, any good serial killer movie too will say it. If they're that good. They don't get caught, and they never will. Well, that actually transitions me perfectly to my number nine. You talk about bad guys winning in the end. On the complete other side of the strangers, we've got one that the bad guys absolutely win, Cabin in the Woods. (laughs) Oh, man. See, Not I just the bad guys win. The dark underworld wins and destroys the (laughs) earth. Spoiler alert. Yeah, like, geez, man. <laughs> I I was wondering how long it was going to take for us to get to Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, I... Cabin in the Woods is... It's a love letter to horror fans by a horror fan, it really, basically. It's it like... Really is. These teenagers go up to the Cabin in the Woods... Um, before Chris Hemsworth got famous, actually, he filmed this movie, but it didn't come out until after Thor. Um, but 
the, you, you know the story. Teenagers go up to a cabin in the woods and things start going bad. But you really don't know the story. Um, and it's very evident that Joss Whedon wrote the script for this because it just is. It, it's hard to describe, but it's, it's clearly written by Whedon. Yeah, it clearly is. Um, but it's also directed really, really well by Drew Goddard. It's one of the few times that, like, all the main leads are pretty likable. Like, Chris Hemsworth's character as the actually intelligent jock is pretty entertaining. But let's be real. The real hero of the movie is Marty the Stoner. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to lie. Spoiler alert. He doesn't die. Well, until the very, 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 very end of the movie when everyone else does. When I remember watching in the in the dorm with um, Cody, Chaz, and I think Alex, um, when they say over the intercom, wait, one of them's still alive. All of us is going like, wait, who? Because everyone's dead. And then he shows up and saves the girl. We're like, we all actually cheered out loud for the return of one of the best characters. Yeah, please. And unfortunately, I haven't really seen the actor and a whole lot of other stuff, but it's... Cabin of the Woods is just so meta, and I enjoy how different it is. It's like the less successful, but still just equally meta and entertaining version of Scream. Yes. Like, it's aware of what it is, and it's aware you know what it is. And it doesn't try to, it doesn't try to be anything else. Nope. Not at all. And it's, it's super entertaining. Um, Absolutely. So let's now, uh, kick it up a notch. What you got for number eight? Something completely different than Cabin in the Woods. It was one of <laughs> your honorable mentions that I'm disappointed it made it only to your honorable mentions. My number eight stars not one, but two future superheroes in Nightwing and Nebula, Oculus. Ah, I love this movie so much. And let's be fair, at the time of recording, Brenton Thwaites has not become Nightwing yet, but it's coming, dang it. Um, You really want it to happen, don't you? He's already confirmed in interviews that it happens this season. We've already seen the set pictures. If it's not this week's episode, it's next week's. Mark my words. Um, (laughs) But he plays the brother of Karen Gillan's character, who is more or less a museum curator, who the two of them had a childhood trauma um, relating to this mirror. So Karen Gillan finally gets her hands on this mirror again, and she's devised this plan to not only destroy the mirror, but prove its evil power that it truly has. And this mirror is one of the most powerful and evil antagonists in any horror movie you've ever seen. It plays... Oh, dude, and it doesn't even like do anything necessarily yeah it's just mind games and it's oh for those of you who haven't seen it it's just it's two separate storylines uh from the past and the present that converge excellently into each other it should come as no surprise that this movie is directed by mike flanagan who spoiler alert this is not the last time this man shows up on my list because I Correct. love me some Mike Flanagan movies. But the way he balances the past and the present works incredibly well. The performances are excellent. Um, for those who are squeamish, let's just say you always want to make sure you know the difference between an apple and a light bulb. 
Oh, geez, stop. <laughs> that, oh, that scene every single time. Ugh. Oh, it gets me. And honestly, like, it, it's a lot of the stuff in the honor, honorable mention list. It, it, it was like, I need everybody to know. And I think Nathan knows this, too. Like, it was re- actually way harder to make this list than I think I was anticipating. Uh, I, it wasn't as hard as I was expecting, just because I have certain ones that I love more than others. But Fair. Oculus is absolutely one of those. Um, yeah. It's, I, I think that it's uh, numbers 8 through 10 were the toughest. Just because it was like had I had a good stuff. chunk. Yeah, you had to figure out... What made what made certain movies better to you? Yeah, and I don't know what I was expecting with Oculus, but it wasn't it in the best possible way. It is very similar to another movie that I know for a fact, Josh and I will talk about later, but I'm not going to say what it is. But Josh and I are very similar <laughs> in that we both like psychological stuff, and this is absolutely a psychological one more so than a jump scare absolutely. one. Um, that being said, it's got some good jump scares, but it's... A well crafted story that, again, unfortunately, like Cabin in the Woods and like The Strangers, the bad guys ultimately win. Spoiler alert. Yes. But, but I, I will mean, say, it, uh, Karen Gillan's character has to be one of the smartest characters in any horror movies, period. I mean, and that's the thing I think, too, is that I, one of the things I did really like about that movie was. Your main antagonist, your main protagonist, is super smart and does yes. everything in her power to not the smartest fight the protagonist evil. on the list. We'll get to her later in my list. Yes, absolutely. But I, oh, I could talk about Oculus all day. Josh, what's your number eight? Um, I don't think if anybody's been listening to this podcast, they know how bit much of, of a fan I was of The Witch. Ah, the Vivich. Um, I'm very, again, very much into a movie that creates an atmosphere and creates a world for me to live in for the movie. Um, I really enjoyed the both the historical accuracy and the way that they the director used that to pull us into why a witch is so scary to these people. So not that like naturally goes without saying, but are you doing everything in your power to try and track down the lighthouse? I really am. It and it's it's literally driving me insane. Yeah, no theaters around me are showing it either. It's, uh, but I mean, this is the guy that, as far as I'm aware, is pegged to do a remake of Nosferatu. So yes, I'm I've super heard that. down for that. But the witch is. I showed it recently to somebody and they were like, oh, this looks super boring, blah, 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 super slow. And, you know, to its discredit, it is a fairly slow movie if you're not paying attention. Because <laughs> it, it is a slow burn, but like watching this family slowly descend into the clutches of what we thought was only one witch. Um is fantastic and seeing the journey that our main the main character the, the the oldest girl goes through um into why somebody would reject you know all that what you know is quote unquote good and and sane in the world i don't it's it, it's a very intriguing movie and i love the atmosphere and and the historical accuracy of it fair enough 
moving on. What's your number seven? It is the It remake. <laughs> the 2017 one? Yes. Chapter I have one. Not, okay. Chapter one. Yeah, because chapter two, I don't think I've seen chapter two yet. I'm not actually. hearing great things about chapter two. Yeah, I'm not either. So I'm not, I'm kind of waiting on it. But I re, I did really enjoy the 2017 uh, It. I thought it was really smart. There was a lot of smart decisions as far as what to include, what to not include. And then just the way that they, again, create the world that it lives in and that this story takes place in. Uh, it was very, very carefully carefully crafted. And I think the ki- all the kid actors are fantastic, too. Oh, yeah. Normally, kid actors are, are a hard performance to do, but... All the it kids are great. Um, I think it's funny that like you can't really remember the names of the characters except for hey, it's the kid from Stranger Things. Yeah, absolutely. Who was like one of the best kids? Richie was great. Oh, dude, and that's the thing too is all the kids actually felt like they were best friends. It felt like they felt like kids. Yeah, like it didn't. As much as everybody praises the the web series or the, the sorry the miniseries, uh, this actually feels like the kids have a lot to lose. It's not. It doesn't feel like oh they're going against Tim Curry, which no knock on Tim Curry, but it felt like they were actually up against like you know an interdimensional demon, which is a good thing. Yeah, the chemistry was great. Yeah, I really, it is probably in one of my honorable mentions. I really enjoyed it. I didn't have the best theater going experience for the movie, primarily just because the sound was awful in my theater. Of like no, dialogue no. was super super quiet, and it jump scares were deafening, and I hated it. Um, yeah, I can but see I enjoyed that. it much more when I got to home video, and I I own it. I watch it every year. It's I significantly enjoy part one more than part two. Um, Fair enough. What's uh, what's your number seven? It is my other horror comedy that's on my list, and this is the only one on my list that I'm genuinely kicking myself, and I'm mad that I didn't see this movie sooner because this thing is a thing of beauty, and naturally I'm talking about the great buddy adventure, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yes. Uh, this see, is... what's interesting is I decided against putting any horror comedies on my list. Would so Tucker and Dale have made your list if you did horror comedies? Oh, absolutely. It'd be like top three. <laughs> it's, it still feel, feels enough people. horror to me that it works. Um, yes. Because it's got enough of the classic elements of... So for those of you who aren't familiar with Tucker and Dale versus Evil, it's literally if all those rednecks that you see in slasher movies were the good guys and literally everything in the movie was just one big misunderstanding. So there's a scene where... Um, Dale is being chased by a swarm of bees while he's trying to do cut down some uh, trees for firewood. So he's being chased by a swarm of bees, so he's running around with a chainsaw. So naturally, the teenagers think he's just a crazy redneck. But in reality, he's just being chased by bees. Everything's just a big misunderstanding, and it's hysterical. Um, but the core of the movie and why it works to me is the actors playing Tucker and Dale. They are so genuine and likable, and you have they have this actual chemistry and just like you know i would love to be your friends as everything goes wrong 
as you accidentally nail gun a police officer or a kid accidentally impales himself or jumps headfirst into a wood chipper. (laughs) It's, and I think the, the kind of bait and switch at the end uh, is for me, one of the reasons I don't think even if I was including horror comedies that I would put it on my top 10 because you can kind of see it coming. Like, but then again, that's a part of the horror trope, you know, comedy parody thing of the movie. So I don't know. Yeah. When we're going with rewatchability, I, I could watch this movie all day and never get sick of it. it the chemistry works, the likable. It was so different and quirky. It is just my type of humor that I really enjoy, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. It, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't it. Now, on the completely opposite flip side, I'm just jumping all over the place in terms of tonally. Yep. Uh, my number six is a movie that some people that don't like horror and don't want to give credit where credit's due uh, would probably consider this a drama, but make no mistake, this is a horror movie, and it's the only horror movie to win... Wait. Yeah. Get Out didn't win. It is the only horror movie to win Best Picture and destroy the Oscars when it came out. Silence of the Lambs. Oh, okay. See, I have that on my list. It's just a little farther up. See, yeah, I, I love Silence of the Lambs, but I think there's five movies that I just enjoy more. But yeah, Silence of the Lambs to me is a, is a horror movie. Make no mistake about it. I love this movie. Oh, absolutely. It, I mean, I think from all the movies the on this list, though, alone, it's the best, best technically made movie. Oh, absolutely. Like the and cinematography think, is the best. The acting well, the, is the best. The acting is easily the best. I mean, the fact that Anthony Hopkins got an Oscar for only like 15 minutes of screen time, bro. Like what? Get out of here. But in the process, becoming one of the most iconic bad guys of all time and he's not even oh, the main villain <laughs> it's 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 a very very well done movie and in a sense again the bad guys kind of win <laughs> kind of but at least with this one unlike some other movies on our list there's hope for the hero like the hero wins too yeah the bad guy only because there's multiple bad guys yes I still would hope one day, I think it'd be awesome if we had a Silence of the Lambs style superhero movie of like Joker is the Hannibal Lecter character that has to help Batman mm. find someone worse. Yes, I agree. Well, yeah, I love me some Silence of the Lambs. Um, anyway. So that's my number six. Josh, what's your number six? So you're, I can, I feel like you might, actually laugh at me on this one um is it leprechaun (laughs) it's the blair witch remake no i know you like that one i know you do i know you knew that i just i just need everybody to know that i wanted nothing to do with this film I did not care for the Blair Witch franchise, nor did I know much about it before, but it was one of those things like, I don't like found footage films. I think they're stupid and a terrible way to tell a story. But this movie got me so well. Oh my goodness. It got, I was invested from the beginning. And then as soon as like the weird stuff starts happening, 
Oh man, I just I, this is one of the few ones on the mo- on this list that I actually went into theaters multiple times and saw it. Huh? Like, dude, I Still don't know why. It, actually. I love this. Really, you really should. Well, it's, nowadays it's actually kind of hard to find it. I, which is really weird, because I thought it did fairly well. I didn't think so. I don't know. Not like I the don't original. know anything anymore. Let's be real. No, yeah, but the original didn't did well because it was something completely different. I don't well, know. Well, the original did well because it had one of, if not the greatest marketing campaign ever made. Also true. Before the internet. Like, that movie could not be made nowadays with the no, rise of the internet. Would have just squashed it really quick. Um, the thing for me about this movie uh, was you do kind of, you don't get to see the witch, but you get to see the witch kind of thing. Um, much like in Strangers, where you can kind of see stuff in the background, um, and the movie itself kind of will play games with you like uh, as far as the background goes like if you might have seen something back there but you're not sure like haunting like, of that's... hill house exactly exactly like ha- haunting of hell house there's a few scenes at the end heading towards the end of the of the film uh when they're getting closer and closer to the witch's house um you start you you could there's several times that like i've gone back and rewatched it and like when I thought I saw something in the background, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to go back and watch. And I go back and watch and I didn't see something. I was like, but then what was back there that I saw? Like it's, it's really, it really messes with your brain sometimes. Huh? Well, anyway, I really liked it, but yeah, <laughs> that's why these are, these are personal lists. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, moving on. What is your number five? Um, and Number five was actually when I texted you about because I couldn't remember the name of it. Which uh, one? You keep was, texting uh, me once because your brain doesn't work. I know. I'm like, I know what movie I'm thinking of. Uh, it's called Life. With, it's uh, the Jake not quite Gellin. Venom prequel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, even if it was Venom, I'd be super down. because. So we geez, always joke about this being a Venom prequel because it's literally just a black alien goo that's discovered in space that infects the hosts. It does. And like, geez, and it's super smart and like, just the problem solving that happens in this film and the, the, just being afraid of something that is just a little black goo and that's it is the movie works, works its tension very well. I mean, it helps that it's in space but then they double up the ante and be like, hey, man, uh, we can't let this thing get onto Earth because bad things will happen. Yeah, Plus the basically. cast is fantastic. Huh? The cast is just fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, it's what? Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of, of others, I don't necessarily, I know that they're in other things, but I can't remember them. Uh, like their names and stuff, but uh, really, it's a very well acted movie. It comes, it, it does have a certain like alien vibe, like the movie uh, Alien. It has that kind of vibe to it. And maybe uh, that's why like, it didn't click with me as much. Um, I don't, I don't enjoy sci-fi horror as much. Like 
Alien has never clicked with me. Um, I remember watching in college, and one of my buddies, Michael, who we've had on, if I don't know if we've had him on the show, but I hope to get him around Star Wars time. Um, he's just like, oh, Alien's so scary, man. It's one of my favorites. And I watch him, just like, really? This is scary to you? All right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Moment of truth time. I like Alien versus Predator more than Alien. Okay. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I saw that first, but. I can see that. I. Mm. But also, I'm not scared by Alien versus Predator. To me, that's an action movie, not a horror movie. Also true. Maybe that's I, why I, I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, sci-fi horror doesn't really do it for me. I don't know. And that's fine. Unless um, it's Jason I mean, X. Really, Honorable I, mention to Jason yeah, X. Yeah, exactly. Like Jason, but see, Jason X is good for different reasons. It's good because at its core, it's, it's not dumb. A good movie. <laughs> now, so. on the flip side, my number five is one of it's. I think it's like ten or eleven years old now, but it is the quintessential Halloween, the holiday movie of like. I've yet to see a movie that more perfectly encapsulates all the core essence of Halloween, right down to its color scheme and every single shot. Trick or treat. I don't think I've actually seen Trick or Treat. Really? Yeah. So Trick or Treat is, I think it's either five or six um, interweaving short stories that make up one movie. So, like, certain elements of one story will play into another person's story. And it's it's very much a Halloween, the holiday type of movie. And it's a really good... Um, it's kind of like an adult Goosebumps episode. In okay. that of like all of them are kind of different. Like um, one of them is about a dad um, trying to carve pumpkins with his kid and his kid's kind of a brat. But then he also appears in a story later when he bites off more than he can chew. Um one with a nerdy girl who knows a lot about uh, just the lore of Halloween and that may actually help her in the long run because she believes in things that other people don't. Um, it's it's the core of what Halloween should be. Spooky, but yet fun at the same time, but mm, probably not for everybody. It's definitely an R movie, but not as hard R as like a slasher or like a super, it's not super intense. It's, it can be pretty light at times, but it's still really, really fun just for how different it is. Fair enough. Yeah. I think you'd really like it if you can track down. It is admittedly hard to find. Not as hard to find as what yeah, we do in the shadows I, though. As what? As what we do in the shadows as someone still hasn't seen that movie. <laughs> Leave me alone. Let me look, let me wallow in my ignorance. You're sad. Not as sad as our number four, Damn. though. One that I know for a fact is on both Josh and I's list. At least I hope it is. John Cusack's 1408. <laughs> it is on our list. It's interesting. Is it also so your number four? Two. It is not my number. No- uh, Silence of the Lambs is my number four. Okay. But... 
1408 is an underrated masterpiece, in my opinion. Oh, dude. The fact that the movie gets you as the viewer, like, you're almost at the end, and it, it, it tricks you. And all the way up until the point John John Cusack goes, wait, hold on. <laughs> and actually, God, I, I went so long between my first and second viewing that that fake out part towards the end actually faked me out the second time. Oh, yeah. It gotcha. The movie gets the movie because at first you're trying to like you're trying to figure out what the room is is it you know a demon is it just and it's in truth it never really says what the room is because that's not important no but the room like um the mirror and oculus is one of the best antagonists around because it's it's smart it knows where to go uh but on the flip side john cusack is a really good protagonist um who at when you first meet him, it just seems like a grumpy curmudgeon and a washed-up author. But the movie has a lot of good subtlety to it and excellent storytelling that adds depth to his character and to his journey as as a character that I really, really enjoy. It's not a movie that has a lot of jump scares, but like The Room itself, is a movie that messes with your head. Yes. Well, and I like, I like it when... Um... <laughs> I love when when the room is literally just being a dick. Like, it's just being a mean person. And there's times when, like, like John Cusack's character is just like, oh, come on! And you, even you as the audience member are like, oh, come on, man! Like, just leave him alone! But I... I like that... Depending on what version you're watching, because there is actually two different versions of the ending... The, you get the right ending if you see the one where he survives. Because there's two different endings where he, one of them, he doesn't survive. I like that he does survive and actually outsmarts the room, but also gets, mm-hmm. without spoiling too much, he gets closure on some things. So at at the end of the day, 14 weeks actually may have helped him heal. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's... It's the ultimate, you know, needing, it's, you know, that horror trope, basically, of needing a traumatic experience to deal with the most, with the things you haven't dealt with. Mm-hmm. So you said your number four is Silence of the Lambs. Correct. Uh, I, I, it's one of the few movies I feel like in horror that I can just watch at any time. It's not super scary, but like at the same time, terrifying, but all of the performances are so, so, so captivating. Fair enough. Yeah. I, there's not a single weak link to me in Silence of the Lambs. I, it's so beautiful cinematography. It it sounds horrible, but I think one of the coolest, but also most disturbing shots is when you find out what Hannibal did to that victim when he escaped the prison. Yeah, the guy looks like a moth. I was like, uh. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, what is your number three? My number three is something that I know for a fact, much like fourteen oh eight, is near and dear to both yours and my heart, and that is sinister. 
<laughs> Why you give me the flashbacks, man? Because <laughs> I Wait. love you, Nathan. <laughs> was it you or Neslo that was the wimp and freaked out? Uh, Neslo hit me and freaked me out. He, he hit me like it was during one of the night scenes and he hit me during the scene and I freaked out and punched and him. He wailed on him. him. Uh, he was like, you didn't need to do that. I was like, and you didn't need to scare the crap out of me. So you get what you deserve here. But this movie, and I've seen some people talk all kinds of trash about it. Yeah, and I don't get the hate for this movie. I don't either because I genuinely enjoy this. Again, back to the th- the atmosphere it creates. The fact that as soon as it's nighttime, you get We're nervous. We're holding yeah, it's oh, dude! As soon as that sun sets, everybody is just holding your breath because you don't know what's about to happen. Because I it, remember watching that with you guys. Oh my gosh, that was nerve wracking. It really was, and I don't know if the love I have for this movie is simply because the first time I watched it was in that dorm room, like packed. There was no, we, there's no reason we could we should have had like ten or ten plus people packed into that room, but. That's what we did. Oh, no, a lot Sinister. of my horror, some of my favorite horror movies are ones that I have good memories associated with, especially my number one, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, but Sinister is, is one of those, It's gen, to me, it's genuinely terrifying. I think the acting is all pretty spot on. The main you know villain isn't too over the top. It, it, at no point do I feel like, oh, okay, this is where we're going to go. All right, whatever. Um. The, to me, the story makes sense. Uh, as soon as they move houses at the end, I knew exactly what was about to happen. But I was like, no, you can't do this. Yeah, I uh, still my big takeaway from that movie is um, all the home videotapes. Just oh, dude, that those are pure nightmare fuel. The like one the that lawnmower still gets one, me. still to this day. I've like gone yeah. back, and it doesn't actually show anything. But the stuff that's implied, I remember all of us just like, okay, we may have to, we may have to watch something else. Yeah, like that was for, for all of us. I think that was a tough one. Um, like all of us are leaving the dorm room that night, just like, hey, uh, you need you need one of us to walk you back. <laughs> it's like you, it's you like, guys like, gonna be good tonight. Yeah, man, we're gonna be good. I remember Alex <laughs> and I were just like, "Yeah, I think we're gonna be up for a little bit." Yep. Uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic, and I I love the way that it builds, and it's it, I think it's I think it's a very smart movie, but you know, the sequel doesn't do anything for me. But yeah, yeah, the sequel's terrible, but um. Uh, I told you this is not going to be the last time Mike Flanagan shows up on the list. So he shows up again, almost at the number one spot, but at the number three spot here. And to me, it is my favorite so far of the Netflix original movies. I, of course, I'm talking about Hush. Yeah, I know. Oh, man. This is a nail biter. So for those of you who don't know what Hush is, it's a brilliant concept of a woman played by Kate Siegel, who's becoming one of my favorite horror actresses, uh, just actresses in general. She's great in Haunting of Hill House. Uh, also, she's married to Mike Flanagan, so that's why she keeps showing up in his movies. Uh, she is a deaf um, writer. So, um, basically, this killer is 
more or less traumatizing her and just antagonizing her, trying to kill her. But she can't hear. So there's times that the kill will be like right behind her, but she can't hear him. And so they use a lot of good horror movies rely on sound. And this one is no exception. But uh, I talked about an Oculus, how um, Karen Gillan's character is one of the smartest characters in horror. I will actually say Kate Siegel's character in Hush is one of, if not the smartest characters I've ever seen, not just in a horror movie, but just in a movie period. She's one of the smartest protagonists I've ever seen. Uh, there'll be times that she goes through de- various like dreamlike scenarios of just like, if I do this, no, I can't do that because it'll catch up to me and kill me. What if I do this? Nope, I'm not fast enough in my current state to do that. Um, how do I do this? Well, I use this, this, and this. Like, you follow her process. You enter her brain. How she ultimately saves the day is also really, really cool because of... it. Let's just say without spoiling it, only she could have gotten away with what she did. Yeah. Uh, but also upon a rewatch... It, so there's a thing called Chekhov's gun where there's a gun under the table and at some point it's got to go off. There's an excellent Chekhov's gun that's set up in the movie that I didn't even notice till like my second or third time watching it um, without giving too much away. But the, the weapon that she ultimately defeats the killer with is actually set up like in the first two minutes. Yeah, I, I think I remember you ta- with us talking about this. I, I love this movie. The sound design is excellent. Um, the performances are great, considering it's more or less a two-person cast, the killer and Kate Siegel. Um, just, I enjoy a good protagonist in horror movies if it's done right, and she's one of the best. And just a really good... It's a tightly focused movie. It's a short movie. It's like an hour and 20 minutes, but there's not a minute that's wasted. It is an excellent movie. Oh, I would. I, I don't disagree. And I, I think I've only seen it once, and so maybe that's affecting my my decision on 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 having it not even on my list. But you know, it's, it's it is a fantastic movie nonetheless. Now, my number two is the only other movie that I could think of besides Hush that has even better sound design, and it's. In case you haven't figured it out by now because of how much Josh and I talk about it, it was the best movie of 2018, A Quiet Place. Oh, absolutely. I, oh, I could talk all day about the beautiful masterpiece that John Krasinski made. I cannot recommend this movie to enough people. Even if you're like, I'm not a big horror fan. No, you need to see this movie because this is not a quote-unquote horror movie. This is a movie about family more than anything else. And, oh, I just, oh, I love this movie so much. It is so good. And how it didn't get nominated or didn't win for best sound design and sound editing still, ah, still annoys the crap out of me. (laughs) I agree. But, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic movie. I, uh, I just... I think I got more attached to other films, and I don't know. It's like I said, like I maybe I was it was very my experience because maybe it was not the experience because Heather and I saw it in theaters and we walked out of it just going, 
that was that was amazing. And then she and I, both of us actually together shot our review for it and we both just walked away completely blown away. And Fair yeah, enough. I, yeah. I'm man enough to admit every single time I watch it, man tears come down for I love you. I have always loved you. Okay. No, no, I mean, that, that gets me every time, but I didn't see it until it came out on DVD. Ah, okay. So you're a heathen. So, I am a heathen. But then again, nobody should be surprised by that. I've. It's very hard for me to get to the theater these days. It's true. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, my number two is, uh, is, is 1408. <laughs> okay, there it is. I was just like, it's got to be somewhere on his list. Yeah, no, yeah, it's 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 easily one of my favorites. And we know your number I, one is going to be the original Friday the Thirteenth. Obviously, say it's not just one of my favorite. Four, obviously, um, it. I would dare say that Fourteen Away is not just one of my favorite horror films. I would dare say it's one of my favorite films of all time. Like easy top ten. Oh, I don't. I wouldn't doubt that at all. I know how much you like that one. Yeah, it, it's. I, I think it's. Uh, it's a very, very smart movie and, and does everything it tries to do. It does very, very well. And don't let the po- the, the cover deceive you. Samuel Jackson doesn't do anything in this. Yeah, it, it is weird cover art considering he's barely in the movie. Yeah, Besides he's the not really beginning and the part where he's randomly in a fridge. Yep. All right. <laughs> your time has come. What is your number one favorite <laughs> horror movie of all time? I talk about this movie a lot, so um, and I recommend it to everybody. It's not on Netflix anymore, so good luck finding it. <laughs> um, the Girl in the Photographs. Oh, I don't think you've ever mentioned this movie on the sh- on the show. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned it before. I, I don't think so. I guarantee I have. Um, it is maybe I've been dropped on my head films. too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's shaped a certain way for a reason. Um, <laughs> geez, I'm sorry. That was that was really mean. Um, I, uh, but no, yeah, it's again, it sticks to our 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 kind of the theme that you and I have been building here of atmosphere, of sound design, of character, g- good characters doing everything right, but it doesn't matter. Um, the movie's about basically about the main this main girl, and she she you know, she just moved to town or what? No, she lived in this town all her life, whatever. And there's she's thinking about leaving. You know, it's it's not necessarily about her, but she starts fo- like photographs of <clears throat> beaten and uh, I'm yeah raped women. Uh, have ha, like like Polaroids start showing up, like at her work, at her home, on her car, all this stuff, and it's always different girls. But the like nobody, the police can't figure out where they are, where they're coming from, and whatnot. And like there's, it's again, obviously, it's these two guys in in town. But they're easily some of the creepiest guys you will ever meet, and they're just so good at what they do. And, you know, that comes back in the, in the final you know, scene of the movie where they've legitimately killed. It's like a mansion or whatever. 
And they've legitimately killed every single main character and have piled them in a room to take a picture of them. And then, the, you know, the, the, they take that photograph and then it kind of fades to black or whatever. And then it fades back up and there's uh, just this random chick driving up to an ice cream shop and she sees the photo that they just took, like attached to the door. It's like, it's a very intriguing film. And it, it to me, it, kept, it, it, it drags me along for a ride that I'm not sure if I was ready for, but it doesn't matter because it's happening anyway. <laughs> it sounds really, really messed up. Yeah. Oh, it's really messed up, but it's, it's very, very well done. And I think you especially, um, would appreciate a lot of the kills. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, my number one, for anyone that's listened to this show for more than like two or three minutes, it's going to be real easy to figure out what my number one is. Um, it was my gateway drug. I always call it that and still to this day not only is it my favorite horror movie it is one of like my top 10 favorite movies period so on the count of three one two three halloween of course it's (laughs) halloween the original 1978 john carpenter masterpiece this has been and always will be my all-time favorite horror movie for so so many reasons uh actually super cool heather and i this past weekend actually got to see the original Halloween in theaters. Um, so Universal oh, wow. Studios had it at their uh, local theater, and we got to see it for five bucks each. And it was, it's a different experience seeing it in the big screen. I've seen this movie dozens of times, but seeing it on the big screen, I with surround sound, like I could hear all the crunching of the leaves or all the breathing of Michael Myers under the mask uh, to the point of a movie that I've seen dozens of times. I'm actually like on the edge of my seat, like. I know what's going to happen, but I'm still nervous. It's different watching it in the theater. It's super cool. Uh, but Halloween, there's I could talk all day about why this movie means so much to me. Of the people that I saw it with. I saw it in college with some great friends of mine that more or less... Cody had seen Halloween, like most all of them before. And so uh, he was just like, this Halloween, we're going to... Start watching scary movies. And we, for a while there, we watched like a scary movie a night. And we started with Halloween. I was like, this was, this is something different. I, I like this. Um, it may be curious to learn more about not just the horror genre, but other genres that I hadn't really discovered growing up. Just like things out of my normal bubble of interest. And so that just really got me more interested in film and filmmaking it just made me more curious about just learning more about movies and everything else uh and i remember after watching that first one um we went to a place that god bless you family video for standing your ground family videos are still around in certain locations and god bless them for still being open they're like blockbuster except cheaper and they're right up the street from our college so it it's pretty safe to say like Every five days, our movies would be due, and we'd get more. So we were very much regulars at Family Video. So um, we'd get Halloween. So we're like, let's get Halloween, too. And we would, like, get all the way through. We watched, like, the entire series of, like, just trying follow the whole story. And then we eventually doubled back and watched three and six and 
all the other terrible ones. Um, but it all started with that first one, which still to this day will always be my favorite because expert cinematography, uh, razor sharp writing, great main character with Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode um, and Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis. Michael is just a great antagonist. Um, I I have a soft spot for almost every movie in the franchise. I've seen all of them at least three or four times, including Rob Zombie's, as terrible as they are. I just like the entire franchise, but it all comes down to that first one and the memories that I have associated with that first one. But also just, it's a good and well-made movie. Uh, and as someone that's a creative individual who that likes to make stuff and likes to make movies... Um, seeing the process that was made for this first Halloween inspires me because it's not a fancy made movie, but it's still excellent. Like hearing the behind the scenes of like, they barely had any money. It was very much a do it yourself movie. And it became one of the best horror movies of all time. I'm just like, Hey, anybody can make a good movie. Then it's, that's why I latch on to people like David F. Sandberg who did uh, lights out like Josh talked about. That dude started off making short horror films on YouTube and is now one of the best horror directors out there. I think that's super cool. I like seeing people come from just very humble beginnings. John Carper absolutely did that with Halloween. It's just, I could talk every, all day about this, of like, people get scared by the Halloween music. I'm comforted by it, of like, if I'm having a bad day or if I'm anything, Halloween music is always okay with me to put on. I have all the soundtracks for all the Halloween movies because their music's always excellent. I love the first one more than anything. I know it by heart. Uh, for my birthday this year, I got a lot of Halloween merch. In fact, I was wearing my Michael Myers socks yesterday. It was great. Um, actually, Josh won't get the reference because he still hasn't seen Halloween 3, but Heather got me a great silver shamrock shirt, which is awesome. I just... Love the franchise. It all comes back to that first one, though. It it got me to think differently about film, and that's how you know a movie succeeded, if it got you to think, but think differently than you were thinking before. Because I didn't grow up with horror, but now I can't see my life without it. Mm. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, and I think, I, I definitely think you love the series more than I do, but at the same time... I love time, the series more than anybody else that I know. I have an unhealthy love of it. <laughs> paired up at the same at the same time though it is my favorite slasher like i it's to me no question that the halloween series is a slasher way above you know scream of uh, of friday the 13th and and even of nightmare on elm street I, it does things that those just can't do yeah have good protagonists what no well, oh no, Sydney's pretty good in Scream. I like her. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I will always love the first Halloween. I love almost all the movies in the franchise, but especially that first one. It's just, it's what all good horror movies should aspire to be. Um, well, that's it. That's our big top ten favorite horror movies. What are some of yours? Let us know in the comments below. We love hearing from you guys. And as always, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on the YouTube channel at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.